welcome back to another episode of Hey Alexa. Today I have David Edwards, who is the author of the book, Knew You, Who Knew? And today we're going to talk about his story um, and how he came to write the book and just to see where life has taken him. Hi, David. How are you? Hi, Alexa. I'm great. Thanks. Thank you so much for coming on and um, coming to talk about your story with us. Great. Um, You know, I started off like everybody else. (laughs) I had a mom and a dad and and um, and I feel very blessed. We had probably many of the normal blessings and many of the normal challenges, you know, of modern families. Um, I was the first of any of my siblings uh, or anybody in my family to go to college. Um, my dad was a contractor and uh, my mom was a stay-at-home mom. Um, but then as the kids grew up, well, my folks got divorced, I have to say. And my mom remarried, but uh, um, and then she did a number of things, which I was really proud of her. Um, for a while, she was studying to become a certified financial planner, right? And, Very cool. And, uh, and I was going, getting my bachelor's degree at the time, and I was still living at home, but, you know, going to school and paying my way through school. So I was working and dating and doing all that stuff, right? <laughs> yes. In college. And, uh, and uh, we had one time when we were, had the same finance book. I was taking a finance class really to get her uh her um what's called certified financial planner like license required yeah yeah, a bunch of different courses and uh and so it was really fun you know as an adult a young adult but an adult I was probably a little older than average because I served a mission for my church for two years and so (laughs) I was I was 19 21 um, so I didn't start college until I was 21, but, uh, okay. um, but it was fun to study, you know, and my mom and I would uh, compare, you know, how the teachers were presenting the materials and, you know, helping <laughs> each other out, which was kind of fun to do. That would be really cool. Like to be able to do it with your parent. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I love my mom. She passed away a number of years ago, way too young, mm-hmm. but, uh, um, but uh, it was fun to do that. So anyways, I, I uh, met my wife at the University of Washington. Um, we've been married 36 years now. Exciting. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't <laughs> and, happen a lot. <laughs> no, it doesn't happen that often. But I'm grateful for that. Uh, and, you know, my mom got divorced and my dad, obviously, and then they remarried and my dad got divorced again. And, <laughs> and then he finally met the right person, you know, for him at the right time. I think he corrected some of his habits and, uh, and they lived together, you know, happily until he died. And, uh, and then my mom and dad, stepdad uh, lived together. I don't know how long they were married, 25 years or something like that. But uh, yeah. Um, so anyways, so we're hoping to make 50 years, right? That would be awesome. <laughs> yes, that would be awesome. <laughs> anyway, so I, I got married, finished college, started working, and I'm going to fast forward because you people don't want to listen to all this stuff. But I, I've been very blessed and fortunate to have kind of a diverse career, but working in healthcare, yeah. and mostly serving more vulnerable populations. 
um, working at places like federally qualified health centers or community health centers. Um, I worked at a heart institute that was very mission oriented. Mm -hmm. And we did fun, creative things. I like being creative and having fun. <laughs> so, you know, and I don't know, my wife tells me I read weird stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, I get excited reading about creative ways to accomplish an organization's purpose. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I've worked in with tribal groups. So Native American organizations, something I'd sought to do. I worked in Africa for a while working in a Yoruba culture uh, on a healthcare project again. So I've just been very blessed. I've not made a ton of money. I think I've made a decent living, but uh, um, so we'll kind of move through all that. And in 2018, I was working in Oregon uh, in a rural area, maybe an hour or so out of Portland, Oregon. Mm -hmm. um, if people can kind of picture where that is, it's right, you know, right on the northern part of Oregon State in, in the United States. Um, and I was the CEO of a nonprofit, federally qualified health center. Um, and we had the marvelous privilege um, of building a brand new health center. We'd outgrown you know, our original building. Yeah. And we had developed a really amazing model of healthcare that as far as I know, it's the only place in the country that I know of where our largest minority population had absolutely no disparities in health outcomes from our majority population. No differences whatsoever. Yeah. And that's very, if, so I work in healthcare for 35 years. If you don't, you know, that's very unusual. I mean, that's extremely uncommon. And it was because, you know, we intended to do it. You know, we set goals, mm -hmm. we changed what we did. Yeah. Um, and so we had done some really amazing things. Um, and we had this opportunity to build this new house center. It was gonna be 40,000 square feet. It was a $16 million project. And we had a great team of people, you know, working on the project. We got a lot of feedback tried to find the best architects, you know, all these things, the best technology. Mm -hmm. um, and our model was built on you. So Alexa, if you were a patient there, our expectation of you is that you would be the captain of the care team. I love that. I think that's right? so important. Exactly. So it's not the old model, right? The old school model, like when I was growing up, it was if I was the doctor and you were the patient, I would say, do what I tell you to do. And if you do that, you're a good patient. I pat you on the head, and, you know, yeah. send you on your way. <laughs> but in this day and age, that just doesn't work. And it mm -hmm. never worked that well in the past either, frankly. It's just not the best way to do it. So you're, you're the captain of the team. And so you might have a primary care provider. We might have a dentist or a hygienist. You might have a therapist. You might have a community health worker or a health coach or what we call the behavioral health consultant or a lot of different roles and options for services and support to help you meet your health goals, right? Yeah. And the epiphany that I had, I guess that makes me a slow learner after 35 years, is that we put all this time and energy and money into creating something that is 
fairly unique still uh, in the United States and I think around the world even, and that has been proven to be quite effective. Um, but if we were gonna do all that work and we didn't help the patient to successfully fill that role as the captain mm -hmm. of the team, then we were gonna take our effectiveness from this down to this. It was gonna be much less impactful you know, than we were hoping it would be. And so I started studying, well, what does that mean? You know, what, what do we really mean by that? It, it was important to make it explicit. Um, and, and I started diving into what are called behavioral change models. Right. If we think about our life, anybody's life, yours, mine, anybody who's watching or listening, um, there's two kinds of change. There's outside change. And in my book, I use a metaphor, which dates me a little bit more than just <laughs> my bald head and white hair. But, uh, but uh, back in the 1980s, when my wife and I were newly married, I was probably 1987, I remember we bought our first VCR. And I was talking to some teens the other day on, a, on another podcast, and, and they were like, what's a VCR? <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> so, so if you're of a certain age and you're listening, a VCR is, is like a, a tape, you know, like a ribbon of tape that mm -hmm. you would stick into a machine, and you could either play a TV show or a movie that was recorded onto the tape, yep. or you could actually then record something that was on tv yeah and and i was very proud of myself because unlike many people in those days i could actually program the vcr um, to record a tv show like on tuesday at six o'clock when i wasn't home yet from work and that way i could watch it whenever i wanted to later on now, today, of course, that skill is beyond useless because <laughs> nobody has VCRs anymore. And nope. you I apologize. You're the exception, though. Um, and so that was a good skill though. at the time. It was quite useful. But, you know, things moved on and eventually nobody made VCR tapes anymore. You know, movies didn't come out on tapes and yeah. we started using DVD players, right? And then we started using Blu-ray players. Today, me and you probably as well, we mostly stream our TV and our movies, yeah. right? <laughs> um, like our podcasts, and we watch things on YouTube and all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, things change. You know, the world is changing around us at, at an unprecedented pace. Mm -hmm. And so we have to keep up with those changes, right? Otherwise, we fall behind become less relevant. Frankly, we become less capable of being in charge of our lives, right? If I can't yeah. keep up with just kind of the pace of normal everyday technology, then I really become less capable of being my own captain. So that's important. Equally important though, is the kind of change that we engage in ourselves. And that's really the focus of most of these change models. The idea is, what am I becoming more than what am I doing? Yeah. And, and so this process of becoming is a process of change. And so how do we do that effectively? How do we do that well? Um, how do we manage that, if you will? How are we in charge of that? And so that's mm -hmm. what I was studying. And at the core 
of all of these models, and this was my big epiphany, is personal or intrinsic motivation. This isn't, you know, you've all seen the motivational speaker who's, you know, running up and down the stage. It's like a rock <laughs> concert almost, right? Yeah. And they're jumping up and down and they're yelling into the mic and, you know, rah, 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 do this, go that, you know, you're great, you know, conquer the world, all this kind of stuff. And this isn't that kind of motivation because that kind of motivation by definition is external from you. It's outside of you. Mm-hmm. And it can be quite powerful, right? I mean, for example, if you work someplace and you get a big bonus, if you meet certain objectives, it can be extremely motivating um, to you know, accomplish and do what's necessary to get that kind of a bonus, if you will. Um, video gamers, if you ever play any, do you ever play video games, Alexa? Um, I used to, but not really. Not really. So video game people, the people who design these games, mm-hmm know a lot about personal motivation and external motivation in particular and those games are designed if you find that you keep playing and you just can't stop playing they are designed to do just exactly that right it's all about this kind of mostly external motivation and so what we're talking about is this inside though that really determines who you become And it determines your meaning in life, your happiness in life, Mm -hmm. um, your well-being, your ability to lead your life and conduct it in a way that you want it to go, um, to move in the directions that you want to go. And so I think I'm dribbling on on too much on this. So I'm going to move (laughs) forward again. So I had this epiphany and it was so powerful to me. It was like, so how do we do that, right? What are the components you know does it require that you have like a bachelor's degree to be able to you know engage with this and do it or maybe you uh, um, you know white culture or black culture or hispanic Mm -hmm. culture or asian culture or you know is there some better way to do it or anyways that's what i was studying research now in the process of this i actually got fired from that job that I really loved (laughs) I didn't do anything bad we had a disagreement with my board and I lost I lost I guess um but it it gave me more time because I worked hard and I worked a lot and so um but it gave me time to really focus and study and so over the next probably year year and a half I focused on what this is, and I discovered through my research and a little bit of inspiration. I just felt like a guiding hand in my life, I guess, going through this 10 principles. And these 10 principles are foundations. And I like to use the uh, metaphor of a cherry tree because I was in cherry country. We grew lots of cherries as agricultural. (laughs) I worked with farm workers. I worked with the orchardists. And, and what happens is, and since we're a part of nature, right, mm-hmm. um, we're natural beings and everything in nature affects us, right? And we affect the nature and environment around us. And so I like the natural metaphor more than a mechanical metaphor. Yeah. Um, and so think of a tree. So the first thing that happens when the seed is planted in the ground is when it kind of comes alive, if you will, right? It germinates, is 
it starts to grow roots, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't bear, you know, you don't have any fruit. You don't have anything above the ground even, right? You're growing roots. It's, it's deep in the ground. It's inside and it's helping those roots. And the next thing it does is it starts to push a stem up, right? Mm -hmm. You've got the roots and you've got the trunk, in this case, of a tree, right? And they start growing. And they don't grow like super big roots and then a super big trunk or super tiny roots and a super big trunk, right? It's all in balance, right? right. Nature is all about balance. And so it grows the roots and the trunk proportional to each other slowly. And surely over time, and as in nature, right, we are wise to start small. I think that's a, a generic piece of advice that we could all use. It's we want to jump right in and we want to bear fruit. We want, we want to have a huge big top of yeah. the tree with all kinds of branches and leaves and fruit as thick as you can handle it, right? That's what we mm -hmm. want. And that's what most of the things in our lives lead us to. They're tips, they're tricks, they're life hacks, their, you know, productivity things. It's all about growing a bigger top of the tree. But just like in nature, with human beings, when we focus on producing, 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 and don't pay very much attention to roots and trunk, right? So foundations, yeah. which can then bear the weight of all that fruit and sustain right. it and support it right year after year after year what happens then in nature is you have a drought or you have a late summer or you have a big rainstorm or you have whatever you know kinds of factors going on and then the tree that has weak roots and weak trunk fails completely it falls over and in humankind, right, in human beings, in our lives, we see the epidemics today of resignation, discouragement, yeah. depression, anxiety. We're not working on our foundation. Because we have focused so much on producing and, and frankly, focusing on, on what other people want us to do, to become, you know, to produce. Um, that we have these failures and they're all over. They are symptoms yeah. of this lack of balance in our lives. It makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm glad. I, I always <laughs> ask people, I say, does that make sense even? Yeah. So, so what this book about, and I wrote it for frontline people, right? Okay. This isn't written for CEOs you know, you know, entrepreneurs who have, you know, a billion dollar company or something. And I mean, they've got to have some of this built in or they, they couldn't do what they're doing. Right. Um, but for people who are on the front lines of work and of business, who have to frankly get just as much stuff done, right? You have to get all the same stuff done in life, but you just have a lot less resources to do it with. It's, so much more important it's always important right it's yeah it's important in a balanced life to be happy to have meaning all these things but it's important if you have few, fewer resources because you don't have as much help right you have to do right. more stuff with less less help i mean if i am well to do and i need help you know keeping up with the yard i hire somebody to do the yard um, if I feel like I'm getting a little out of balance, I'm going to hire a life coach or a therapist. If I'm feeling like, 
you know, I need some help with running the business. I'll hire a chief operating officer and I'll hire a whatever, right? I mean, you've got resources to bring all these people on to help you. And you're going to send your kids to college and you're going to save for retirement, most likely. And you're going to yep. do all these things that we all should be doing. But, you know, what the data tells us is most of us don't, <laughs> at least not to the degree or level that we would certainly like to. Right. And so for these folks, I wrote the book, which lays out in a very introductory way. So building just, you know, the core foundations of these 10 principles. Um, so would you like to hear about the first one? Sure, let's hear it. <laughs> so the very first principle, and this is one of the most surprising to me, frankly, um, because it's all about our core personal values. Those things that are fundamentally most important to us. Yeah. And research tells us that the vast majority of people have never made their values, their core personal values, explicit. And so the first chapter of the book basically walks you through a process. It's very simple. Um, it's not complicated. Anybody can do it. And this was one of my great um, joys, if you will, as I was doing <laughs> this research. Is yeah. that all of these principles can be learned they can be adopted, they can be engaged in at any level that you want to incredible personal benefit, no matter what your education is, where you are in your life, your you know, age, your income, your career, or you know, what you focus on, what your background is, your culture, mm -hmm. your history, right? We think too much about our history, all the things we didn't do or we wished we'd done or... You know, the bad things that maybe have happened to us that are outside of our control. Right? Yeah. So it doesn't, none of that matters, right? Because you and I only have today, because yesterday right. is done, it's past, right? So all we have is today and what we do with it and how we move forward into a future of our own choosing. And starting with understanding explicitly your values, and the book describes what that means in more detail, um, this is the beginning of it. And the benefits of doing this, it takes about two hours and it's free, yay, we love free stuff, right? <laughs> um, is off the charts. Um, you have a greater sense of meaning. So like purpose in your life, because mm -hmm. you understand, and I limit you, I'm sorry, but five things, five core values. And we certainly have many more things that might be important to us. And we might right. you know, identify those but I ask you to go through a little bit of discipline to reduce that down to five core values. And then I further ask you to rank those one through five. And by doing that. You it, see like what's important in your life. You do. And, you and, and the, how to prioritize. Exactly. Exactly. See, that's perfect. Um, so anyways, so a greater sense of meaning right? We all need meaning in our lives. A greater sense of well-being. So well-being can be very broadly defined as a sense of my life is okay. I'm moving in the right direction, right? So a sense of well-being. Um, mm -hmm. It avoids fuzzy thinking, so confusion, right? So if we don't make our values explicit, 
we go through our lives thinking, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. I like that. Or, yeah, I don't like that. That makes me uncomfortable. I don't really understand why fully, but, but you know, it's this vague kind of fuzziness and making these things explicit gives you clarity. Right. Focus, which is really powerful, right? If we think about if I woke up in the morning and I'm thinking all fuzzy, am I going to have a better day or a worse day? And I had a lot of clarity. And right. Focus, of right? course. Yeah. So that's the first principle. Um, and I offered these steps to get there. And, um, and I think that's the right place to build, right? Even though, you know, you might read through and you find principle seven, which is about belief uh, and how powerful of a framework that creates for us. Yeah. And you might think that's really powerful. I want to do something in that. I really recommend that you start going in the order one and work on your values. And the second principle is awareness, awareness and feedback. And uh, I'm working on a blog post on kind of those principles. I've been do, doing several on values lately, but uh, including some fun exercises. If you go to my website and look on the blog and I've got them ranked by each of the 10 principles or you know, organized and, uh, and you'll see some like a fun exercise. So you don't really want to get into the heavy duty lifting of, you know, focusing for an hour and making yeah. your values explicit. Well, I offer some fun things like, for example, take your cell phone for the next seven days and take pictures of things that you think are important. So it might be of your dog. It might be of your kids. It might be of you know, whatever it is, nature, or you just mm -hmm. take pictures of things that are important to you. And the, the process of doing that starts to get your mind just kind of thinking about this. And it prepares you then in a week that maybe then you can sit down, look at your pictures, you think about them. Why is that important? Yeah. Why wouldn't why didn't I, didn't, why didn't I take a picture of something else? You know, why doesn't that seem as important? And then you can actually then move very nicely and very easily into the more formal process that yeah. I outline in the book. I think that's awesome. And I think what you're doing is so important. Um, where can we find the book? So the book right now is only on Amazon. Okay. So it's in a paperback version and an ebook version. And I've priced the ebook lower than it's going to be in the future just as a like a startup thing and yeah. to make it easy for people to engage with it um so amazon uh and i encourage people to go to my website because there's links to it there okay so my when my website is complicated but www.davidredwards.com and so i will have that in the description also so they can <laughs> click right on there um, go. we're going to play a quick game before I let you go. Um, and this is just a quick couple questions. Um, and you just pick your answer. Uh, the first one is what's your drink of choice? My drink of choice. Um, I'm a little overweight and that's because my drink of choice is chocolate milk. Oh, that is pretty good. <laughs> um, what's your favorite movie or TV show or both? Oh my gosh, we do watch a lot of 
movies, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the TV show um, Parks and Rec. Okay. It's just hilarious and so balanced. I just, you know, the characterizations are spot on. It's yeah. just a great show, <laughs> fun to watch, fun to binge. <laughs> I've heard um, good things. I've never seen it, but I've heard okay. good things. And a favorite movie, that's really, really hard. Um, um, I, I, a movie that I love is Family Man. Okay, yep. With Nicolas Cage. Um, uh, family is something that's very, very important to me. And, you know, it really helps us think about, you know, the things that really matter in life. Yeah. And, uh, we always watch it around Christmas time. Yes, a lot of people do. Um, advice to give your younger self? Uh, generically, I can engage in two types of activities. Those that are moving me forward and those that might be harming me or holding me back. So I think my advice would be, what am I doing? And it could be what I'm thinking, right? Some mm-hmm. thought processes that are destructive to me that are holding me back yeah and then do something about it right put some focus on it put some intentionality into it set some goals and and uh try to eliminate the influence those have on my life yes um and then five words to describe yourself um well i think my values are a good place to start (laughs) <laughs> so belief or faith, integrity, transparency, compassion or charity. Um, and I'm a hard worker. I like it. And the last one is what does success mean to you? Well, in my book, I define success. And so I suppose trying to be transparent and operate with integrity Um I define success, and I didn't create this. I read it 30 years ago, probably, by a man named Earl Nightingale, who was a very popular radio host and uh, did uh, self-help kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And he defines success, and I always like this, and so I've adopted it for myself, as the progressive realization of a worthy goal or ideal. So it's not the accomplishment of it. It's progress on it. And that is success. Well, I love that. And thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your book with us and what you've learned over the years. Um, I so appreciate it. And I'm sure my audience will too. And this was another episode of Hey Alexa, and I will talk to you guys next time. Bye.